the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Be construed as the finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome in. Rob Black and Money. I'm Rob Black talking about all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's not be shy. 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, throw it at me. We could talk about the markets hitting all-time highs. Dow Jones, S&P 500. We could talk about what could derail that. Jobless numbers tomorrow, first Friday of the month. Always something to pay attention to. So Dow Jones Industrial Average enters new high territory, S&P 500s, uh, in that arena as well. So overseas markets will change, a little, little change today. Chinese stock market fell 7 tenths of a percent. That reflects a priority for growth over any concerns about a credit bubble or overheated investment spending. Japanese index rose eight-tenths of a percent. Major European indices were currently mixed. Not a lot doing. Expectations for an increase in the March payroll data uh, is one of the big stories of the morning. So, jobless claims in the United States rose 16,000 to... 326,000, any number under 400,000 is a pretty good number. So we're good there. Like, check. Let's go play in the stock market now. Um, a slowdown in layoffs from earlier this year may set the stage for additional hiring, especially among smaller companies. Demand rebounds from weather-induced soft patch. Layoffs are still very, very low. Claims are pointing toward an improvement in the job market. It's evidence that the economy's struggles this year were very, very temporary. Some other data, economically speaking, the trade deficit in the United States reached a five-month high in February. Value of American shipments to South and Central America dropped to a three-year low. It's important to see how world economies are doing. They're not as strong as we are. Um, 42 states and territories reported a decrease in claims, first-time unemployment job claims, while 11 reported an increase. So, again, it's uh, generally a pretty good trend. We're not wildly excited by this data this morning. Um, There was a shooting at Fort Hood in Texas, and that's, again, reminding you that there's tragedies everywhere. I know you have them in your family and your life. I know I have them in my family and my life. So always try to financially prepare for that. 
awkward that I have to say that out loud. But having a little bit of a safety net helps enormously. I know you're saying, but Rob, I'm working my, my hiney off, and I don't have anything left over. Somehow you have to find it, in my opinion. Google's got some new shares out there today. It's a way of them, 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 the insiders, the owners, the founders of protecting their voting shares. So you're going to see Google L, G-O-O-G-L. You're going to start seeing that on the screen when you're watching your CNBC or your Fox Business News. Great Googly Moogly. The founders control 56% of the vote through their B shares, which don't trade publicly, and carry 10 votes each, according to the company's March 28th proxy filing. Executive Chairman Eric Schmidt owns 8.2% of the B shares. Um, so it's it's cute. You know, it's to me that's financial engineering. Eventually, the Google L and the Google shares will trade in line. Investors expect Google's two classes to trade with little spread to each other. Um, and I think you're going to see more and more of this. I think you're going to see companies who have uh, founders with quote-unquote vision kind of protect that vision. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see. Uh, banks are warned. This is kind of an interesting story today. Banks are warned that hackers can change controls on automated teller machines to allow thieves to make huge withdrawals. Hackers often schedule the withdrawals for holidays and weekends when extra dollars are loaded into the ATMs. Regulators are warning bankers that hackers have succeeded in changing the controls on ATM machines to allow thieves to make nearly unlimited withdrawals. A recent unlimited operation attack netted over $40 million in fraud using only 12 debit card accounts. Wow. Another great reason to ditch the debit cards and use only credit cards. Latest warning comes after millions of Americans had their financial information breached in a high series of profile attacks from uh, cyber attacks. That kind of bums you out a little bit, right? Happy, 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 happy Monday. Your bank account's been drained over the weekend. Ah! I know you're saying, very dramatic, Rob, very dramatic. So... Not much doing ahead of the payrolls today. Not a lot going on as far as stories go. Some days we've got better stories than others. China announced stimulus measures targeting infrastructure, low-income housing, and small businesses. European Central Bank made no changes to their policy stance. Strength facing in energy materials and industrials. Weakness seen in consumer staples, financial teleco services, and utilities. It's a good day. It's not a great day. It's a good day. Tax up three-tenths of a percent. Financials are a little bit of a laggard. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. We're in record territory on the Dow and on the S&P 500. Economists are betting on a sunny jobs forecast for tomorrow. First Friday of every month is probably the most important day of the uh, stock market, news-wise. Economists are expecting that a report is going to show strong job growth after adverse weather held down payroll gains most of the winter. Many Americans who stayed home because of cold and stormy weather from December through February were likely back on the job in March. 
a disappointing job number would probably see the market pull back. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the economy uh, won't accelerate. It's expected to accelerate throughout the year. We are paying very, very close attention to this. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Thirty year mortgage rate. Uh tick up to four point four percent. If you don't own a home, this is newsworthy to you. When do you get in? What's your rate? Try to have as good of a credit score as you can. A year ago the thirty year mortgage was sitting at three point five percent. Now it's at four point four percent. That's a pretty big difference. It only sounds like one percent, but that's a thirty percent move higher. The rate for a five-year Treasury index hybrid adjustable rate sits at 3.12%, which is what a lot of people are ap- uh, opting for. Barnes & Noble, their shares are down 10%. John Malone's Liberty Media said it's selling the majority of its 17% stake in the bookstore owner. It was a company that hoped and desperately prayed that their play on the Nook, the e-reader, would work. They had some mixed results on that. They had some mixed investors on that, including Microsoft at one point in time. Uh, Company struggling. Pandora is up 6% today. Internet radio company reported strong listener gains in March. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. For the winners and losers on Wall Street, visit Rob Black's YouTube channel for a fresh take on the market each weekday with Rob's Morning Market Only one thing on your mind can be a good thing when you find that. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Pick up the phone, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Um, I want you involved in the markets. Notice that we're at all-time highs in the Dow and the S&P 500 today. And notice that the world's not coming to an end. And it didn't come to an end. When there is crisis, it's going to feel bad. It's going to make you feel sick. If you do open your 401k statements, and I understand some people do and some people don't, it's going to make you just nauseated to see the results. But that's what you have to do. You have to get through it. We'll talk about this and more um, as the show goes on, how to get through that you know, process of accepting bad markets. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, I get a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls 
on the confusion that is mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, no-load funds, ETFs, A shares, B shares, C shares. Let's demystify a little bit. What do we need to know? Well, it's gotten harder because as fee-based financial planning has come into play, and that's where what most people want to end up with because of the fiduciary aspect of it, knowing what you're paying for is important. So when people have A, B, C, there's even Z share mutual funds out there. What's you gotta a Z know share? What these C and Z shares are kind of like these quasi-fee-based programs. So when, when advisors want to be fee-based, but they can't do it because of the current company that they work with or they don't have the right licensing or whatever, they might use C share or Z share funds, which they look like they're no load because you don't pay anything to get into them, right. but their internal fees are often higher. Um, and they often have kickback issues um, to the firms that you work with. So, you know, if you have an A share, a B share, a C share, or a Z share mutual fund, you're not in a no-load fund. You're in a loaded fund environment. A shares, you pay large sales charges up front in exchange for lower ongoing fees. So if you're investing less than 100000 a lot of times the, the front-end loads on an A share, 5.75%. You've got to get well more than that just to break even. Um, in a B-share mutual fund, you don't pay anything going in, but your your money's often tied up right. for five to six years, and your fees are higher for five to six years, and then they eventually the fee structure drops down. So, um, again, it's usually you end up paying more in a B-share, so I don't really like them. Okay. C-shares, they're even higher than a B-share in many cases, but the fees never drop, and they just pay the broker 1% every year. Um and the problem with those ABC share and Z share funds is is you're tied to the fund family. Right. So if you want to go from a large cap growth to a large cap value, you can only do it inside that fund family. You can't go outside of it without getting tied up again or paying another commission. So it's just not the right way to go. You want to be in the no-load fund environment or ETF environment that's out there. So typically I tell people you don't want to be in American funds. That's a fund family. You'd rather buy your funds at Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade where there's such big volume houses, their fees are lower than anywhere else. Is that a statement that is wise, or, or am I... Typically, like when it comes to American funds, though, that's a, it's been a pretty successful fund company, um, right. and they actually now have a share class for fee-based advisors called F-shares. So you might see an F-share fund pick. Um, I've used a fund in the past. I don't own any right now. But, yeah, I mean, you can go... If you, if you want to know what is truly a no-load, you can look at, um, say, a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab's website and see what the no-transaction, no-load funds are okay. that are there. And you can see that they have no uh, front-end sales charge and no deferred sales charge. That way you know you're in a no-load fund. But look, Rob, I mean, what most people should be doing for their first hundred to 250000 is just looking at total stock market index funds. And the no-load like the Wilshire 5000? Um, Wilshire 5000 is the whole market. Right. But just um, there's, like Vanguard has the Vipers. That's total stock market funds on both the international and domestic side, um, the no-load fund side. And, and you can go in and... And get ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, which are mutual funds that trade like stocks. Right. So you can look at the indexes. The internal fees are only about 0.08% per year. Extremely, extremely low cost. And there's a whole, you know, like a TD Ameritrade, for example, there's 100 different ETFs you can buy without even a trading cost. So getting, being able to invest in those types of funds is getting cheaper and cheaper. Which is great because that's one of the hindrances to performance. 
Mm-hmm. Is uh, making mistakes absolutely will hinder your performance, but cost will hinder your performance. So you could eliminate one of the variables that will hurt you and try to go with as low fees as possible as far as the transactions and the funds that you're choosing. Right, and that's why I say that, you know, indexing, I like both index and managed funds and individual stocks, but the way I tell people to start out is start off with the index approach because it's the lowest cost, the lowest tax issues that, that you're going to deal with. And especially when you're investing mostly in equities when you're younger and you don't need the bonds. As people get older, though, we worry about downside protection as much as upside potential. Right. So you can't just be in index funds, in my opinion, when you retire. With that said, you work for New Focus Financial, and people could find you at newfocusfinancial.com. We've got about a minute left in conversation time. Is there anything else that we need to know about? Well, I guess where you look for the different types of funds, um, where I use my index funds and my index ETFs are for my large cap and my mid cap areas. Yeah. But if I'm going international emerging markets, I typically like to really do dig in, do the research, and find managed mutual funds. So, for example, you look at Japanese stock market right now, and it's drastically underperformed the U.S. stock market. They have debt issues. They have an aging population. But there are specific companies in, in Japan that are doing very well. So you don't want just necessarily an index fund there. You'd want a, a, manage, a manager with boots on the ground in that country. They know the currency issues. Um, same thing with China, Indonesia, uh, you know, all the different places where emerging markets are, where, you know, two-thirds of the economic growth probably over the next two, two decades is going to come from. Well, that about clears everything up in my mind. I'm not sure about it in everyone's mind. <laughs> A shares, B shares, C shares, which one should we choose? I think we hit it all there. I'm Rob Black. That's Chad Burton. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Yesterday, Amazon announced a video streaming box, and it's got one kind of cool feature, we think, It's got a voice-activated search, so, you know, the big problem with Apple TV and with Roku's and with the Internet boxes now that connect to the TV, or even if you have, like, a Samsung Smart TV, is anytime you search for a show, you have to hit use the keyboard, and you're using the little dial switch on your remote control, and you're waiting, and you're clicking on, you know, if you're looking for Seinfeld, to S, and you're scrolling to E, and you're scrolling to I, and... It's it's tedious. So to help combat that, Amazon's including speech inside of the of the remote control. So you'll be able to hit a button, much like Siri will come on, and you'll basically throw out what you're looking for. Ninety nine dollars, which is considerably more expensive than Google Chromecast. Uh, it's going to have ESPN, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. <coughs> So it it seems to be really competing with Roku. It's also going to have a gaming platform. Uh, We'll see. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Here's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Join the TJ Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. We support help socialists. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Joining me now, Jonathan Marino from TheStreet.com, journalist, broadcaster as well. How are you, Mr. Marino? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, having you back on. Uh, you've recently worked on some pieces tied towards IPOs and 
speculation, maybe a little bit of froth. Tell us what you're working on. Yeah. Um, so today, later today, we're expecting to see a seamless price its IPO after the market closes. They're going to be going public tomorrow. Um, as a tech stock, they're, I guess, pretty hot because they really managed to build up their subscriber base in regions like yours and regions like mine. Um, but, you know, other than that, the traditional, I guess, a little bit more pure play investor uh, retail food IPO, you know, stuff like noodles and potbelly, two IPOs that priced and Price and then you know proceeded to go up pretty substantially in trading. Um, they performed well, and it, and it seems like right now, um, especially you know when you look, when you look at the younger consumers of food, um, you, you know the, the folks that are really also kind of in that sweet spot to to social, the, the 18 to 34 range. They're ranging, I guess, a little bit away from you know the Mickey D's, the Burger King, the, the stuff that you and I used to eat as kids when you know we had to stop alongside of the highway and your parents just want to basically feed you something to shut you up. Um, now, now younger consumers are gearing more towards you know the Shake Shacks and and the fat burgers of the world, um, and and it seems like having a little bit more of a unique lineup in terms of menu. Again, just to go back to noodles and pot belly, it's resonating with shareholders as well as with consumers. So social has been a, a huge plus for food delivery and food services on phones. Um, I have a friend who works in San Francisco Media District, and he basically gets everything on Groupon. So he figures out what restaurants have deals and uses it straight through like that. That is the target audience for these new companies, correct? Oh, yeah. No, I feel like Seamless is geared a little bit more towards the same kind of consumer that I guess, you know, just to say what I said before really quickly, the same kind of folks who are trending out of stuff like Mickey D's and the more homogenized menu. Um, they're the same kind of urban consumers that are really being targeted by Seamless because there's a heavier concentration of restaurants, and that makes it a lot easier for them to do their jobs there. Um, just one more note on Seamless, too, very quickly. Um, they haven't done a lot of international expansion yet, and the people who I've spoken to who are bullish on their IPO say that the company's ability to horn into new markets and in other countries and into the territory of another company that just went public today called Just Eat in the U.K., um, they, they have a similar business model to Seamless. Uh, people who like their IPO say that that's a big point of potential expansion for them is the international community. I think another one coming public, maybe tonight or tomorrow, is Grubhub. Um, so it seems like there's a veritable plethora of foodie kind of angles on uh, IPOs. Is that is that the market reaching, or is that the market giving us what we need, more choices? I, I think I think it's important that you know there's a lot of choice coming out um, for not just consumers but also for investors, and I feel like potentially that you know all of these smaller players have a real great deal of potential to disrupt the traditional folks. You know, the guys that we've seen around, and to give you another example, uh, is Darden Restaurants. They've been under pressure from investors to spin off a chain that you and I discussed on a separate show, Red Lobster. And one of their investors is actually objecting to that, saying that that Red Lobster is something that could potentially generate uh, close to a billion dollars for the investors if they keep it within the company. I would say, you know, when you look at all these companies, um, you know, not just Red Lobster, Noodles, Potbelly, but also a couple of food-related IPOs, supermarkets that have underperformed, uh, Sprouts Farmer's Market and uh, Fairway, which is really heavily concentrated, I know, on my end of the country here in New York. There's a potential, I feel like, for a big commodity impact, which is coming from your side of the country, because the California drought has the potential to increase prices for, you know, virtually everything that goes, say, into a hamburger, the price of meat, lettuce, um, tomato. Just to give you some perspective on personal insight, I've got a friend who's a female 30-year-old, and going into her apartment, she opened her refrigerator, and all there was in it was just alcohol. 
everything she eats, everything she consumes is fresh. So the Sprouts markets are doing very, very well because of people like her. Um, no frozen food. She looks at frozen food as almost poison, uh, right. which to me is it's shocking. The uh, Generation Y or the millennials and their effect on the food market at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see it play out. And also, you know, the organic food play, you know, and to go back on, on the Sprouts fa- Farmer's Market, they gear a little bit more towards the uh, healthier food set. Um, when you look, you know, you just look at the chicken sector very quickly, one of the reasons that Chick-fil-A has actually risen so quickly among consumers um, is because the company kind of caters towards a little bit more of a healthier, quote-unquote, chicken sandwich than, you know, the fried products like KFC. Where does this all end? Is it going to end in mergers and acquisitions? Is it going to end at, it's not going to end in McDonald's going out of business, but what's the next catalyst with all these IPOs and, you know, the access to capital? They can, you know, continue to grow stores, but does it end in M&A or does it end in a sector shakeout? What are you seeing? I would say actually probably a little from column A and a little from column B. If if you look at the all the pressures that McDonald's is facing right now from all of these smaller competitors, I wouldn't say that they're going to get blown away. I mean, I would never expect Mickey D's to no longer be at the rest stop because the rest stop play is something completely different than, you know, another potential IPO candidate is Shake Shack where they have a real sit-down business model. I mean, you can sit down and have a beer and a dessert with your burger, which isn't really technically the the drive-through, um, the drive-through play on that market. But then I would also expect to see a lot of M&A. I mean, kind of, kind of similar to how now you're seeing uh, big alcohol going out and acquiring some smaller brewers. It wouldn't shock me to see somebody like McDonald's or maybe even a Burger King buy one of these smaller players and then integrate them as kind of um, an upscale version of themselves. But, but again, to go back to your friend who's, who's obsessed with organic eating, I, I know a lot of folks who are the exact same way. Shake Shack does make a better burger. McDonald's, you know, if they were going to be a potential acquirer for that company, would have to really commit and publicize the fact that they were making a long-term commitment to provide people the same level of quality there, Although, or else, rather, um, they, they would see, you know, potentially a, a lot of shakeouts from that customer base. Anything else that you want to add to this story, Jonathan? Um, nope. I think it's going to be interesting to see the seamless IPO come out tonight, and I think we're going to see a lot of other IPOs pricing in the future, you know, maybe even another half dozen for the food sector, and I look forward to coming back and speaking about those. Thanks very much. It's Jonathan Marino with TheStreet.com. He does a lot of video work at The Street. Uh, seamless IPO is one of those um, stocks, food delivery kind of angles. Grubhub's IPO coming out. Uh, you can find out more about this type of information going to street.com. They've got a great site with lots of information. Um, Grubhub seamless shares priced up in advance of the offering. Should retail investors buy in? Of course, you should consult a broker advisor before taking any action on any stocks mentioned. But it's fascinating to watch. Just the you know <clears throat> the online food delivery services business and how everything's getting tied towards mobile. And it's got big money huge money drawing into it. Uh, they raised the expectation of the IPO last night from twenty three from twenty dollars a share to basically twenty three dollars a share. They're gonna raise one hundred and seventy six million dollars. Uh, Grubhub, which handles pickup and delivery orders for restaurants online and via the phone, it said it's selling four million shares. That's not a lot. So Grubhub had about twenty eight thousand restaurants and three point four million active users in its network as of December thirty first. And we're gonna hear more and more about it. They're gonna trade under the IPO Grub company was created through a merger of Grubhub and Seamless last October, uh, last October, last August. So uh, <clears throat> fresh food delivered. So 28,000 restaurants. Um, and again, I, I guess it's kind of what we want, right? 
the restaurant food ordering site uh, has some interesting facts about it. Their financial figures are starting to be shown. They were up 67% year over year. Profit, they are profitable, not wildly profitable. $137 million in revenue, $6.7 million in profits. Uh, company had more than 3.4 million active diners. It had 28,000 restaurants in its platform. Uh, the firm says its primary target is about 350,000 restaurants that account for 61% of all those in the U.S. Grubhub CEO Matthew Maloney, uh, he co-founded Grubhub Holdings in 2004, which had acquired Dot Menu. He has an MBA from the University of Chicago. It's got more than 40 trademarks registered in the U.S., including Grubhub, Happy Eating, Seamless, Order Hub, Your Food is Here. Like, right? Seamless was a spin-out of a corporate uh, play of Aramark. Uh, they acquired menu pages, moved up to the ranks of the, the business model. Um, in metropolitan markets, Seamless and Grubhub generally experience a relatively increase in diner activity from September to April, a relatively decrease in diner activity from May to August. So there's going to be some... Um, Seasonality to the stock. In their campus markets, they see higher volume when school is in session. Colder or more inclement weather typically increases order volume as opposed to warmer or sunny weather when people want to go out on their own versus having it brought to them. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Just an enormous amount of food and food-related products coming public. Um, it it may tell you that there's some froth in the market when everyone in one category is trying to get out there. For instance, the same can be said for a lot of the cloud 2.0 kind of companies, uh, web services companies online. Uh, there's been a huge, inordinate rush of them. And they want to get public while the market's hitting all-time highs. Gets them into the market, so to speak. Um, can't say that I'm wildly excited to uh, play in the Grubhub, but it is fun to watch what the IPO market is presenting to us. So that was Jonathan Marino, and you can find him at thestreet.com. Taking a look at the market numbers. Dow's down 15, the NASDAQ down 19, the SP 500 down 2. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. The general manager or General Motors CEO is facing a lot of ire from the senators in hearings right now. They're coming faster, they're coming harder at her. 
After facing a House subcommittee investigating General Motors' ignition switch recall a day earlier, General Motors' chief executive bombarded with some aggressive line of questions yesterday. So, as family members of victims looked on, senators repeatedly cut off Ms. Barra, scolded her over failing to have answers, and zeroed in on GM's potential criminal liability for failing to fix defective ignition switches. GM has a culture of cover-up, she said in her opening remarks, the Missouri Democrat chairwoman of the subcommittee, Claire McCaskill. It's crazy to think that this whole problem could have been fixed with a dollar part. GM has real exposure to criminal liability. Now, should that stop you from investing in the stock? I don't know. There's areas in this show where I'm going to say things that just, I can't answer that for you. You could invest in cigarettes, which clearly cause cancer and destroy people's lives. I'm not going to be the person to tell you not to do it. There's a mutual fund called Vicex, V-I-C-E-X. But it's actually a pretty, if you just look at the performance, you'd be pretty darn pleased. Um... Right now, the Vicex fund is sitting at an all-time high, and it's tied towards our vices. Now, from 2008 to 2009, when the market went through just a hellish correction, it went through a correction as well. But if you go back to 2002, this fund has gone from $8 a share to $30 a share now. A pretty good return, a very good return. Now... Let me see. I want to see the dividend that it pays, too, before I go any further. Yields about 1.6%. So not only have you gotten stock performance, but you've also gotten yield. They've given you cash for holding shares. It is a large-cap growth kind of fund. It has very low fees, about 1.6%. I guess you would say... um, mid to high fees versus its category. What do they invest in? If you take a look at the top 10 holdings, you'd be shocked by like what they own. They own Rinzel American. They own Altria, Philip Morris, L'Oreal, MGM Resorts. Now, how, why is MGM Resorts tied into Sen? Well, gambling. Las Vegas Sands. Constellation Brands, Booze. Uh, Raytheon, who makes missiles. Missiles that kill people. And, again, I'm not one to say what you should and shouldn't do. I quite honestly don't like management that that censors people. I don't like people that censor people. Um, Five-year average rate of return, 22%. That's not bad. In the last 11 years, it's been up 10 years and down one. So in 11 years, it's had 10 up years, one down year. Not bad, huh? And part of that down year was because everything was being sold. So am I saying go for it? I don't know. Again, it's really up to you. As an investor, I don't know. Maybe maybe let's say you invest in it and you have a guilty conscience. Maybe you put in your trust that you'll give a million dollars to charity later in life based on the profits of these companies it's up to you Google stock split, big story in the news right 
Google Split is all about control, not about price. So when you're investing in Google now, you're basically saying, I believe in Larry Page and Sergey Brin. As founders, they want to have the ability to have their vision executed. Take a look at Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg. He's done some pretty crazy acquisitions recently that if he had to convince shareholders or if his vote wasn't the dominant vote, it probably wouldn't be the same company this day. It probably wouldn't have had the acquisitions pulled off. You know, are they striking at this point in time against companies or people like Carl Icahn, activist shareholders who jump in and say, you know, this is what you should do? Carl Icahn jumped into Apple and told him what to do. Carl Icahn jumped into eBay and told him what to do. So Bryn and Page, they control 57% of Facebook. And they want to keep that. And they want to use their shares to go out and buy other companies. Probably pretty smart. Again, with that type of investment, you're betting on the founders that their vision is going to be good. And there's almost a, I don't know the word, dynastic I'm, I'm combining dynasty with um, the ability of making decisions. There's that kind of approach that I'm okay with. I'm okay getting behind it. So the tragic headline news yesterday was a shooter kills three in Rampage at Fort Hood. Every single day there's a tragic headline. Um, one of the reasons I hate working in television is the tragedy that you have to listen through all day long. If there's a little kid who died, you have to hear about it all day long. And most of us can hide. You don't have to listen to local news. So I started the segment off a little bit talking about GM. I got into Google. What's interesting about the news on GM is it still hasn't caused the stock to go down. It doesn't mean that it won't. I think that it's built into the stock at this point in time. Mine is some sort of smoking gun. Which could happen. So I think this is a play to $40 a share from 35 which isn't the biggest return ever. But I don't see a lot of risk. Yields 3.5% in the meantime. Headline risk is different than execution risk. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black. The whip fine with we didn't come for money. Hey, parents of children with asthma, here's the Breathe Easies with another one of your favorite hits. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke around the kids. Don't smoke in the car. Don't smoke in the Preventing asthma attacks can be as simple as making your home and car smoke-free zones. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Up next, well, what do you know? The Breathe Easies with another hit song, Vacuum Up the Floor. Vacuum Up the Floor. Vacuum Up the Floor. Vacuum Up the Floor. Simple steps can help your kids breathe easier. Vacuum up the floor to keep your house free of dust, dander, and dust mites. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. 
Katie Lovely, Paulo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications on the NASDAQ at SALM. Good morning. I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC. Records on Wall Street. The Dow up 15 to a record 16,588. The S&P 500 up a half point to uh, 1891. The Nasdaq down about six. Positive economic news driving stocks higher. Business in the service is part of the economy. Picked up steam in March. Orders up. So was hiring. Speaking of rising, mortgage rates on the 30-year fixed rate ticked up last week to 4.41%. Shares of Juniper Network up about 1.5%. Juniper's cutting 600 jobs because of slow demand for its network equipment. Amazon is down 2%. Investors turning cool to its new set-top video streaming device, Fire TV. The knock is you can get the programs it offers anywhere for less. And there are now two Google stocks to trade. Both are higher by about $12 or 2%-ish. The newest Class C shares are non-voting. That means that Google's founders, Larry and Sergey, get to retain tight, tight control of the company. Chuck Hamlet, CNBC. Acher brand in the U.S. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Google stocks, both of them, are climbing today. After two, after a, a share split, two classes of Google shares created for a two-for-one stock split. The new non-voting class shares, G-O-O-G. They're trading under that old, familiar ticker symbol. Class A shares, G-O-O-G-L, trading under the new ticker Google. Both gain. Shareholders receive two shares for every Class A share that they owned. Nothing changed. The company's still worth the same thing that they were worth yesterday. Doesn't mean they're half as cheap. I'm positive on shares of Google. I think that they make a lot of money, and they have a lot of cash, and I think this is a move so that they can now use their shares a little more effectively in acquisitions without diluting their shareholder base. Or, more importantly, the founders' voting rights. So that's that. Pandora, higher today. No big story here other than that listener hours in March reached $1.7 billion, up from $1.4 billion in the same period a year ago. Pandora also claimed 9.1% of the U.S. total radio listening market during March, up from 8.05%. It was the first time Pandora's share of U.S. radio listeners surpassed 9%. So Americans are finding a new way to listen to radio. Instead of tuning into AM 1220 KDOW, they're tuning into Pandora, and they're putting in, they're creating a channel. Maybe they really like Coldplay, and they create a Coldplay channel. Um, it's interesting to watch, especially from a distance. Monsanto, in the news today, they could be an activist target. Monsanto is a seed company. As commodity costs rise, food costs, farmers have more money to spray their crops to make them last as long as possible, and or as big as possible, or as you know, come to fruition as soon as possible. And that's a play for Monsanto. Um, there's a reasonable chance that an activist gets involved in Monsanto. They've underperformed the market in 2013, 2014. So at some point in time, an analyst or an activist investor is likely to show up and say, okay, you need to do this, this, and this. 
And that has been pretty good for shareholders, activist shareholders. Uh, you could question whether it's good long-term, good short-term, but you get the idea. Apple today is in the news. They said they're at their developer conference is going to take place June 2nd through June 6th. The Worldwide Developer Conference will take place at Moscone West Center. It's always closely watched for clues about Apple's plans for its two operating systems, the iOS and the OS X. Any utterance is watched by Wall Street about new product, television product, phone product, whatever. At last year's conference, this curtain pullback on a completely overhauled mobile operating system was the big news. Uh, but they also showed us iTunes Radio. They showed us AirDrop, multitasking, photo software, swap out of Google for Bing in search. iCloud is Mac stuff, amongst other topics. We want a TV, I think. I don't even know. Analysts are warning today that the S&P 500 will peak around 1900 to 1950, then it'll drop 30%. So an analyst with Saxo Bank, chief economist, Steen Jacobson, he expects equities will peak around 1900 to 1950 before the big plunge kicks in. He thinks the sell-off looks like it's just around the corner. Instead, it could be a long, slow meltdown. Interestingly, he says, we're not looking for, we're not looking at this correction for the next month or the next two quarters. This is late 2014. If you're looking at it right now, the market may have upside of 5%, but then you're looking at 30% downside. And if investors only have the potential of around 5% upside from here, take out the money you earned over the last year, and if you want to invest it right now, put it in U.S. and German bonds. A fresh survey from AAII, American Association of Individual Investors, says the biggest chunk of change was allocated to equities in March since 2007. So AAII is tracking fund flows, and they're basically saying, look, Americans are getting greedy, and they're piling in. I'm kind of putting those words in their mouth for the record. Um, statistically speaking, Jakobsen says markets have had a correction of 10% almost every year and 25 to 30% every five years. And the world came into this year extremely optimistic about future growth. So he's not calling for anything crazy. He's calling for the statistical norm. And he refers to his quote as markets crash all the time. You should at minimum expect stocks to fall at least 10% once a year, 20% once every few years, 30% or more once or twice a decade, 50% or more once or twice during your lifetime. Those who don't understand this will eventually learn it the hard way. So I appreciate that. Am I ready to get out of the market? No. I think as the bull market gets older, I'm shifting my holdings. There's no doubt about that, but I'm not panicked. And if the market does correct 10 to 30%, I'm actually okay with it. It's normal and healthy, like Jacobson said. So I kind of agree with him. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Amazon came out with a TV product yesterday that it's okay. 
It's not a life changer to me. It does what Apple TV and Roku does. It does it a little bit better. So it's nice to see that. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing in more. So the Google stock split, eh, it's okay. We get eh, Grubhub, that's a big IPO coming out. It's pricing today and will be out tomorrow. Food ordering website, again, showing us the power of mobile phones. And this is really a play on how people under 35 consume. People are pretty comfortable using their phone to buy and order food, pick it up, make reservations. Think back to a day when open table didn't exist and getting reservations at a restaurant was a game. You would actually call and see if you can't get put on reservations. That's kind of a throwback. Jobless claims rose by 160 by 16,000. Job seekers are lining up for you know, prospective employers, and there's more of them. The number of Americans seeking U.S. unemployment benefits rose last week by 16,000. It's 326,000 number. The unemployment applications, which suggest workers having been laid off, have returned to pre-recession levels. In a sign that employers are letting go of fewer workers and expect solid economic growth in the months ahead. That's the downside of trying to predict the market where it's going to go. It's kind of all about the jobs right now, in my opinion. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Always have an event coming up. You can check out more about those at robblack.com. Jobless claims climb from is down three tenths of one percent. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Morgan Stanley has a big report out today on the Internet of Things. It's a pretty hardcore report. Uh, buried in the report was a table that lays out everything Apple has done since 2012 that points towards it releasing some sort of wearable device like an iWatch. So we continue to speculate on the people that they're hiring. Um, you know, 40-plus patents on medical sensors late 2013, including respiratory measurements. They hired Nancy Doherty from Sano, a startup working on monitoring blood chemistry using microneedles. They hired Marcelo Lugmego from Seracor, who was the CTO. He holds more than 70 patents on sensors and patient monitoring. They launched an iPhone-compatible device to measure oxygen saturation in the bloodstream, a company called Massimo. Then Schaefer from Nike joined. He worked on the fuel band of the Flyknit shoes. 
he left to join Apple in September 2013. They acquired a technology related to Bluetooth 4.0. So it, it appears, if you look at the technology patents and the filings of new employees, um, it looks like they're working on something very, very big. We'll see. <laughs> That's kind of where we are with that. SP 500 is down 2, Dow is down 15, the NASDAQ down 18. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can hear his show Monday through Fridays here on KDOW from 1 to 2 p.m., new focus on wealth. Mr. Burton, let's talk about Roth conversions. What is a Roth conversion, and why should I care? Uh, Roth conversion is when you say, okay, I've got an IRA okay. or 401k, and I want to pay the taxes now and put it into a Roth IRA so it grows tax-free for the rest of my life. And it's an account that you can access. As long as it's been five years and you're over age 59 and a half, you can access it tax-free. All of the growth, contributions, everything for the rest of your life. Now, who would want to do a Roth? Who would want to pay taxes now? Well, people that are, that are in lower than average tax bracket. So it's a lot easier to, to have this conversation when you're in states like Washington where there's no state income tax. Okay. But in California, you have to deal with state income tax and federal tax. So if you have an account, you have an IRA, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm at – I'm going to be at a low tax bracket. Like I've had – one time I had an engineer from Intel take an 18-month sabbatical. They just needed some time off. They're taking a sabbatical. It's something they allowed him to do. So very low tax bracket because he was living off cash while he was off vacationing and doing some things he wanted to do. And so we were able to convert a large amount of his IRA over a couple of years at a very low bracket, a lower bracket than he'll ever be, um, and pay the taxes now. But the key is is he had cash outside of the accounts to pay the taxes. That's the other reason why this is the only time it makes sense is when you have cash outside of the account to pay the taxes. You have to have cash on hand and be at a lower bracket. And where this comes in as well is that high-income workers, they, they end up, if they have diversified assets, in other words, they have cash, they have brokerage accounts, and they have pre-tax accounts and 401ks, between the ages of 65 and 70 and a half, you can enjoy a very low tax bracket. But by 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out of your IRAs and 401ks, even if you don't want to, and your tax bracket starts to go up. So there's a sweet spot at retirement where for that five-year period, if you do your calculations right, you can convert. You say, okay, I'm always going to be at a 25% bracket. At once I hit seven and a half, so I might as well convert enough of my IRA each year to max out that existing marginal bracket. So boom, by age seventy and a half, not only do my required minimum distributions go way down because I've converted large chunks of my IRA, but now I have this big tax-free account that I can draw on for the rest of my life. And another benefit of a Roth is that you can you don't have to draw on it at any point in time, or right. so you can you, don't, you can't keep funding it. Right. But you don't have to draw on it. So yeah, there's no IRA funding after age 70 and a half. It's not allowed. But let's say you're grandma, right? Yeah. And you're realizing you're looking at your grandkids and you're sitting there with your pension from IBM, Lockheed Martin, something like that. And you're looking at your grandkids and just saying, you know, they're going to have issues getting health care. They're okay. going to have no pension. Social Security is probably not going to be around for them. I want to leave them some sort of a legacy. Well, if grandma's got, you know, this great big IRA that she just doesn't even need, she's just taking her minimum credit distributions and doesn't even want that because she's saved enough or has a pension, she could convert that large IRA to a Roth IRA. Really? And when she does that, she doesn't have to take required minimum distributions anymore. She could leave 
child, grandchild is the beneficiary, and when she passes, that child can roll that IRA account, that Roth IRA, into an inherited Roth IRA and have a tax-free account for the rest of their lives. It's one of the best assets you could leave somebody as a Roth IRA. Nice. And so the, the, that grandchild would just take a little bit out each year based on their life expectancy. They could take out more if they wanted to. And, you know, it's a great – you, you can call it grandma's pension to the grandchild. <laughs> grandma's pension to the grandchild. Yep, that's right. That's kind of interesting. It's it's not going to be marketed by Fidelity that way, I get the feeling. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, that's, we, we're running out of time. But that's something that I want people to realize, that like 529 plans, they're, they're accounts that are marketed. Um, it's something to think about. It's like, just think about money a little bit differently. Always question, do you really need this, or did I just see a commercial for this? That's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. The ISM services sector rose in March but fell short of expectations. Growth in services accelerated. We're a service-based economy, not necessarily a manufacturing-based economy. So it was a nice reading, 53.1 versus expectations of 51.6. The February report um, was worse than expected, but we're talking about the March report here. So we're not out of the woods, but we're definitely trending well. So, what else do we need to know? It was the 51st straight month of expansion. There was a harsh winter that probably slowed services and manufacturing in the United States. Friday, we're going to get a jobs report, and economists are looking for a sunny report. Miley Cyrus in the news. Her twerking has come up with Vladimir Putin somehow, some way, some shape, some form. So she's got a sellout concert booked in Finland. It's rising. Uh, it's showing the risks of sanctions. So the Helsinki venue, due to host Miss Cyrus, Justin Timberlake, and other stars, it's owned by a Finnish holding company controlled by three Russians singled out for U.S. retaliation. Oh, no. That's falling afoul of something. Banks are warned about ATM hacks. Have you seen the well, to do? we'll take a break here. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. With their noses in the air. I'm Rob Black. High hats and arrow collars. White spats and lots of dollars. Spending every dime for a wonderful time. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putting on the ritz. Different types who wear a day coat. Details. To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Little Youngblood Hawk. Pressure. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So an economist is predicting a 30% fall on the S&P 500. And basically saying that's not uncommon. It happens every 5 to 10 years. It's been a while. And the markets will correct, and they're going to feel miserable when they do. But remember, when they do, that is a good thing for you as long as you're not ready to retire. It's a buying opportunity to get things cheaper. We all remember an episode or two of The Simpsons. And one that I particularly remember was an episode where they drive by the IRS and Homer boos. He goes, boo. I think Lisa was doing a spelling bee or something. But another episode that I remember was Marge coming home and saying that you know she got these brand new pair of shoes and they're 50% off and they only cost $4,000. And that struck me as like, right? Do we all like to buy on sale? Even if they're $4,000 shoes. Um... I think the point being is that when market cracks, be good with it. You're okay. Um, Americans are seeing their middle class status slipping. I think we all know that. It's sometimes difficult based on where we live. We see things the way we want to see things. And that's a little inane. Since belonging to the middle class... You know, once was a cherished place in America. Nearly five years after the Great Recession, more people are coming to the painful realization they're no longer part of it. I've got a friend who works in media that during the downsizing, he did whatever he could. And he's not getting back to where he was, nor is he getting back to full employment that he used to enjoy in media. There are a lot of former professionals who are stocking shelves at grocery stores. There's a lot of retirees who are struggling with costs. And they basically become statistics. And again, we sometimes don't see statistics. The growing homeless in San Francisco, I see it. There's actually, and this is something no one ever talks about, I don't know why, there's a homeless encampment close to San Jose, it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's disturbing that you could actually find it on Google Maps. And yet, we don't talk about it. Since 2008, the number of people who call themselves middle class has fallen by nearly a fifth. Some 40% now identify either as lower middle or lower class. Back in 2008, it was just 25%. The most recent National Opinion Research Center's General Social Survey, say that in one breath, found the vast proportion of Americans who call themselves middle or working class, though still high at 88%, as lowest since the survey started. So I think we all see that there's a widening gap. A lot of individuals and families who feel they've slipped from the middle class are likely to spend and borrow less. I know people that during the, uh, I know people that during the recession era, that they thought, you know, in 2000, buy real estate. And ultimately, 
that buying the real estate and losing a renter cause them to go bankrupt. So if you can buy real estate, great. Make sure you can afford the payment. I think it's a great long-term thing to do, especially with incredibly low interest rates. I don't think it's easy, and I don't think it's a no-brainer. And I think people that tell you it's a no-brainer are fools. So our perception of our wealth is it's odd. It, it's, it's, it's a little disconnected. So don't be naive. Know that you work from age 20 to 60, and then you live off it from 60 to 100, roughly. Don't be naive in thinking how much money you need. Look at your budget now. Maybe it'll be similar in retirement. It's not going to be like you're going to sit at home and watch Oprah and eat bonbons all day. So be realistic. What do you think you're going to need? Know that Social Security is nominal. It'll cover maybe 20% of your post-retirement needs for income. Know that you have to make your decisions very, very smartly. If you make a million dollars a year, then in 40 years you're going to make $40 million. If you make 100000 in 40 years you're going to make $4 million. So that $56,000 car, subtract it. Because when you get to retirement, you're not going to have that $56,000 car. So know that your budget costs you know, eat away at your total life savings from your income. There's a lot of stories out there on Microsoft right now, and I'm changing topics, I'm changing gears. But that's a company that's reinventing itself fast. Um, and that was kind of expected when they announced the new CEO, Satya Nadella. Um, he wasn't the previous CEO. He didn't have to, you know, stick with what Steve Ballmer promised. So he announced Office for iPad, releasing a touch version of Office for Apple's tablets before Microsoft had a touch version of Office for Windows. At the Microsoft Conference for Developers, they announced that Windows would be free for all devices with 9-inch or smaller screens. Basically, Windows is free to tablet and phone makers, just as Android is free to device makers. Windows is more free than Android, since nearly every Android device maker has to pay a patent license to Microsoft. He did a little reorg, um, and he says there's more changes coming. That stock's hitting a 52-week high pretty regularly right now. So, kind of starting to figure out you know, to address some issues. Now, Steve Ballmer, who was a punching bag, he set a lot of that stuff in motion. But Nadella is going to get the credit. That's one of the changes at the top that you know uh, you see happen. That you know you have to clear the deck in order to reset the deck. He seems to be more realistic than Balmer. You know, Balmer missed the iPhone. Balmer missed the iPod. Balmer missed the tablet by years. So if Nadella can act like he's a hungry startup, they got a lot of assets to work with. For the record, I own shares of Microsoft. Um, UPS fires 250 employees for staging a 90-minute work protest to defend a co-worker. In Queens, New York, drivers, 250 drivers, walked off the job. The company dismissed 20 of the workers after their shifts. Issued notices of termination to another 230 employees. 
notifying them that they will be fired once the company has trained their replacements. Workers were protesting the dismissal of longtime employee and union activist Jaro Reyes, who was fired over an hour's dispute. Wow. How's that? Take that for your little demonstration. So one grievance with one employee turned it into 250 people getting fired. Now, you could call that a mean company, or you can call that just doing business. The company fired a group of drivers, just a whole group. Keep in mind, in 10 years, UPS won't be out of business. But with self-driving cars, it's going to be interesting. So to see how things change. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Amazon's um, set-top box, streaming box, it looks good. They announced a game for it, which is probably the most interesting twist on it. High-quality, fast-performance, quad-core processor, 2 gigabytes of RAM. Um, it's going to have apps like Amazon's, Hulu's, ESPN, Netflix, and more. They'll probably sell 6 million plus units. I mean, it's certainly not a loser. So it looks interesting and, again, helps evolve the space. Because with them, they're evolving space with voice-activated search for TV shows. So you no longer have to dial around the remote control. Other big stories of note today. I think the ISM Services Index was a nice one. I think first-time unemployment claims was nice. I think we're heading definitely in the right direction, and that's nice to see. First-time jobless claims rose very nominally, uh, 326,000 total. So we can manage that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the things that I've been recently talking about are dividend stocks. I put together a list of what I look for in dividend stocks, and I presented it at our last seminar. I'll probably do that again at the next seminar. Always have stuff coming up. In fact, I'm doing kind of a Money 101, but more geared towards keys to financial success. Uh, it's coming up in Burlingame on April 26th, the 20 Steps to Financial Freedom. It's kind of a hokey title, I know, but there's also a wealth and income event that we'll talk at in Burlingame on the 26th. You can sign up today at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's coming up in 23 days, so it's a ways off. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You listen, I'll do my best to find stories and angles that educate you as best as possible. The Grubhub IPO that's coming out tonight, to me, is tied towards that sensation that people are changing the way they consume. Regional restaurants are more in fuego than national restaurants. That's certainly a trend. Organic and or locally sourced, sustainable, more in favor than, you know, manufactured food. I had a chef on our show not too long ago that talked about how food's basically reheated and not necessarily prepared and cooked in restaurants in America now. And people are taking notice of it. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Disruptive technologies, for sure. I thought that little piece that I talked about, some of the things that Apple have patented, really tell you, and some of the people they've hired, really tell you what they're working on. Something really big. With that said, do I see a day where Apple becomes irrelevant? Sure. Sony did. I own shares of Apple. But one of the twists here is that they have to build their ecosystem very, very strong. Because hardware will always get marginalized. It will always become a commodity. Smaller, cheaper, faster. Apple just filed a patent. And again, patents don't take you to the end of the earth. They're not all that in a bucket of chicken. But it shows you what they're working on. Apple has applied for a patent on a technique that lets an iPhone touchscreen detect the difference between different kinds of touches. Good touch, bad touch. So it knows the difference between a patient light tap and the angry slamming of a finger. The patent covers a combination of capacitative touch and infrared light sensing that would let a phone determine how hard a user is pressing down on the screen. The patent was filed in 2012, uses frustrated total internal reflection as well as capacitative sensing to sense how much force is being exerted on the screen. Now, what's this get us? Touchscreens could be cooler, offering us, you know, a range of different control gestures on the phone. Some game designers might utilize the new range of touches to differentiate between aggressiveness of players during a game. So... I, I can't figure out what the developers are going to get out of this. You know, maybe a developer will find out that if someone's getting really frustrated with the app and, like, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it with their finger trying to get it to open, maybe it tells the developers something, but I, I don't see it. So I remember a couple of years ago I saw Apple was working on a patent so that as your phone was falling to the ground, it would automatically shut off or do something to protect it. And again, did that ever come to fruition, or are people still breaking their phones? Right? So, patents don't lead everywhere. So, the Grubhub IPO tells me a little bit about what people are focusing on, what, what, where there's growth. So, you can find a lot of IPO websites that kind of give you an idea on that. 
Again, is it for everyone? No. Um, Facebook. They are a big issue on privacy. Everyone complains about Facebook making their private lives less private. It's an odd complaint because you don't have to be on Facebook. And even if you are, you can lock down your privacy settings so thoroughly that you're virtually invisible. Except for, of course, the government. That's one of the areas where Facebook could get into trouble. Facebook's testing a, uh, a new privacy design. Facebook updates its setting menus fairly frequently. Before you know it, your Facebook life isn't as secret as you thought it was. So there's actually a blue dinosaur that Facebook is starting to work with, the Zuckersaurus, that warns you. If you haven't changed your privacy settings in a long time, it's time to dig through your privacy settings so you can actually do it now. I know you're saying, are you serious? There's a blue dinosaur called the Zuckersaurus? Uh-huh. So good for Facebook, trying to at least you know, note that one of their big problems is you know, people eventually getting just peeved about how little privacy they have. City Group was downgraded today to neutral from by Alice Stern and Gee. Essentially, they're saying the bank, after the recent Federal Reserve capital plan, heightened some regulatory risks, slowing earnings. There's concerns about subdued prospects for any meaningful capital return in 2015. So, Stern and says, we don't see any big catalysts here. Okay. You kind of get that. The nice thing is that when they do start doing more dividends and or share buybacks, Wall Street will respond. Hmm. Federal Reserve Governor Jeremy Stein, he's a pretty influential official at the Central Bank. Uh, he's got four years left on his term. He said he was resigning. So he didn't really explain it. He said he wanted to return to teaching. So, very interesting. So Google splits their shares, the stock's up. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.